Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. We are, uh, we are blessed to have just so many godly people here um, and people that are willing to step forward and, and speak. Um, this is Simeon Bell. Most of you, I'm sure, know Simeon. For those who don't, uh, Simeon pretty much coordinates and runs our uh, youth program here, the, the entire K-12 through program, but really with a focus on the middle school and the Cornerstone High School uh, program. And, uh, and Simeon um, comes to us from Grace Fellowship. Uh, we've been fortunate to receive a, a, a small grant uh, so that Simeon can spend time with our high schoolers and with our middle schoolers and kind of coordinating our youth program. And, um, and we're just blessed to have him. And, and I just want to also mention to all of you parents who are planting the seed to passing on the faith to the next generation, um, that's an, amazing, that's an amazing job. That's an amazing task. And, and that's what uh, Charlene and Bobby have done with Simeon and with all their children. And we are just, uh, you know, we're the beneficiaries of that. Um, you plant a seed and it grows a tree. And, 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 and out of that tree comes a thousand seeds and, and a thousand more trees and tens of thousands and eventually millions. And, and eventually you filled the whole world with apples. And that's, uh, that's what we want to do. Uh, here in our church is, is, is fill the world uh, with the word of God. So thank you, Simeon. Yes, and uh, I know. This is not in the script. <laughs> this young man came to our church sent by God. I'm here to endorse this young man to you, to have you have your hearts open your spirits to receive his desire to share the love of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can all be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ even more and more by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's endeavored to work with the Annapolis High School football team and with the coaching staff there uh, several times a, a week. The Lord's opened the doors for him to have fellowship in many different ways. So today, he's here to fellowship with us about the word of God. So, with no further ado, I introduce to you Simeon Bell. Thank you. Thank you. I don't. I don't know if I've, you know, got like a, a clap before I've preached before. So I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, but thank you guys so much for being here. I know uh, it's you know when the head, when the head pastor's gone, it just. You never know, people show up. I actually had a dream last night, or you could call it a nightmare, and I woke up, and I was preaching to just my family, my little nephew, and it was, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> but all, all that introduction, I really appreciate it, though it does not count for my time, I hope. How long I'm supposed to be up here? Brett tells me I must hurry, and I only have three hours, so I, I gotta, gotta hurry here. <laughs> Romans 12, we'll be in Romans 12, verse 1 through 2. So if you have your Bibles, Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, and we will read it when you arrive. Uh, by the way, if you have it, we do this with the youth. Say amen, please, if you, have, if you have the verse in your Bible. I like that. There we go. 
If you don't have it, say, wait. <laughs> We're good then. Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and what is acceptable and perfect. I want to talk from the subject, a transformed life. A transformed life. If you guys will just indulge me, if you will help me preach just a little bit, just look to the person next to you and say, a transformed life. A transformed life. A life where we are being transformed into the image of Christ, where we're moving from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. A life where we are becoming more like Christ, where we are putting on his righteousness. When you are saved, you do not stop there, but you continue to be transformed. You continue to be renewed into his image. That's what we're after today. We want to talk a little bit about a transformed life. Lord, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you so much for um, your word. I pray that you would speak this morning. I pray that you would give me the words to speak. I pray that you would speak through me, Lord God. You would use me as a beacon of light, Lord God. You would speak to your people. You would open our hearts so that we might hear your word. Lord, 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 transform us this morning. Transform us. Help us to move from one degree to the next degree. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Uh, a transformed life, transformation. Transformation, at least to me, it, it seems to be um, a very popular word in Christianity. It, it's a very popular word to be transformed. Everybody wants to be transformed. But like most popular words in Christianity, we tend to relegate even the concept and the understanding of it. And we relegate it down to, you know, a bumper sticker type concept. And we don't tend to act on it primarily because we don't understand the concept as much. So we tend to relegate the concept of transformation. And for me, I have found that when I do this in my life, when I relegate it, when I don't really pick it up and apply it to my life, for me, I have found that I actually am more frustrated, I'm more worrisome, <laughs> got a little bit of anxiety in my life. But I found that when I actually am walking in my purpose, when I'm walking a life of transformation every single day, no matter where I work, no matter what I do, I actually have found that I have more joy. I have more peace. And I think you'll see here in a second that, that the reason is, is because we are called to be transformed into the image of Christ. One of the reasons as I was looking at this that I think that we're, we, we, we are not actively pursuing transformation is because Transformation, to be moved from one place to the next place, transformation, we, we, we kind of want it in a, in a day. <laughs> we, 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 we want it in, in a day. We, we, we don't want to wait for it. We, we want it after the sermon. We, we wake up in the morning, we read the Bible, and we want it right now. Come on, give it to me right now. If I don't get it right now, I'll get a little frustrated. And it's like, all right, I've heard enough about this transformation. I've heard enough about this grace. I've heard enough about these things. I want it right now. But, but I'm here to tell you this morning that transformation is 
not something that happens right now, but it takes time. There's a process to it. There, there's a bit of a process. Transformation, it, it, it's not a fast food type deal. It's more like the, the, the Sunday dinner meals. You know, the ones where you, in the, in the morning, you put on the pot at 6 o'clock in the morning and it doesn't come until 6 o'clock at night. It takes time. You got to let it take time. And there's a process to it. Transformation, it's not a sprint so much. Not even just transformation, but how many know life is not a sprint, but it's a marathon. It's a marathon. It takes time. It takes time. I, I've never run a marathon myself. I've heard that it's painful. I heard it's... Uh, but I've never run a marathon, but I, I, I know someone who has, and we all do. My, my brother had just got done with a marathon a couple months ago. And after, this was about a year and a half ago, after tearing his meniscus from playing basketball, like any sane person, he says, I'm going to run a marathon. Yeah. Um, so so he, he prepares, after his knee gets broken, he prepares, and, and about a year later, he actually gets up and he runs his marathon. And, and as impressed as we were, I was very impressed. I mean, I, I was like, that was, that's incredible that he ran this thing. As impressed as we were, I was more impressed with what he told me afterward. He told me, he said, Simeon, and I was on the phone. I was like, man, that's so inspiring. That's incredible. He said, yeah, yeah I found a couple things about running a marathon. He said, you can't run a marathon without knowing why you are running your marathon. You can't run a marathon without knowing the purpose. You can't run it because if you have never run before, you're going to lose the motivation, the inspiration, and you're going to eventually die out. He said, you have to know the why. He said, the very first time, the very first day that I went to run, I ran for eight straight miles. Now, some of you can run that far, but I know for me, I know for him, I know for most sane people, we've, we've, we've never run that far. And in one day, he runs eight miles. And he's running after that. He was like, I ain't running no marathon. There's no, there's no way I can do this. 26 miles? Come on. Not happening. But he, he told me, he said, I had to remind myself why I was running. I had to remind myself why. I had to remind myself that I was running to inspire other people. I had to remind myself that I was running to inspire my children, my three little children. I had to remind myself that I was running to give myself motivation in life so that I could provide for my family. And if I can do the marathon, I can provide. So he said, that's why. And I would tell myself this. And, and, and he goes on to tell me that it's not just about the purpose, but you also have to understand the process of running a marathon. He, he said, I couldn't just go out and run eight miles and, and act like that was going to get me there. He said, I had to go find professional opinions, and I had to realize that I, it was a step-by-step, stage-to-stage process. And he started on a mile, and he continued to go all the way up until 26 miles, and he ran that marathon like a soldier. So I want to talk a little bit about the purpose, the process of transformation. Look there back in the verse, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says to us to be, in, ver in verse 2, he says to us to be transformed. Be transformed. Can you say that? Be transformed. 
be transformed. Brett, Brett told, uh, has been preaching through the Proverbs. He's been preaching through the Proverbs and, and he's been giving us many, many truths and he's been speaking biblical principles about speaking and, 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 and different things like that. And it's been powerful. Have you been blessed by it? It's been a blessing for me. There, in, in Proverbs chapter 29, we are told that without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, people perish. Without a purpose in life, people perish. As one version says, without a purpose, people run wild. That, that, that there is no discipline. I don't know if you've ever been there in life where I just ain't got no discipline where I'm at in my life. Ultimately, it's because you cannot see where you are going. There has to be a purpose behind what you're doing. I don't care if you're talking about a business. I don't care if you're talking about raising a family. I don't care if you're talking about going to school. I don't care if you're talking about the Christian life. You have to know why you are doing what you're doing. For me, I, I believe that there is a, a why, a deep why embedded in the souls of every single human. I believe that there is a why for everything that we do. Why am I called to do this job? Why this family? Why this? Why that job? Why this church? Why, 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 why? And, and, and I'll tell you right now, every time I said why when I was growing up, I would always hear the answer, because I told you so. Right? Has anybody ever heard this one? <laughs> because I told you so. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to preach over here. I, I, I ain't got time for that. I'm going to just talk, talk to y'all. Um, <laughs> because I told you so. And, and though that may work in a family context, I truly believe as Christians, we have to know our why. We have to know why we do what we do. Because if we don't know why we do what we do, the what that we are doing will be ineffective. It will be ineffective. And we will not, as you'll see, shine like a light that we are called to. So we have to know why. And I'll tell you right now that the why of Christianity, I believe here, in the passage is to be transformed. Our purpose is to be transformed. Romans, Romans 8 tells us, uh, Romans 8 verses 5, I believe we have it on the screen, verses 29 here. I'm a good bit ahead of myself. Verses 29, I'll read it here. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. He had a plan before the foundations of the earth. He, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. As he's speaking about believers here. He says, those whom he, those whom he foreknew, he already knew this. God already knew this. God already had a plan for your life. God already knew this. He says, those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into his image. To be, in other words, to be transformed. Not to be transformed to the world, but to be transformed into his image. The very purpose of the Christian life is to be transformed, is to be conformed into the image of God. This is the very purpose of the Christian life. Now, I will say this, in a world where, where, where your purpose, your purpose is all geared into your specific purpose. What job am I going to work? Am I going to work a nine-to-five or am I going to be an entrepreneur? Am I going to be a teacher or am I going to go to church and, and be a preacher? What job am I going to be a nurse or am I going to be a surgeon? In a world that tells us that our purpose must be caught up in the material things, in a world that tells us that it all is to be external, I'm here to tell you that there is a general purpose for all believers, and that is to be conformed and to be transformed into the image of Christ. Are you hearing this? 
Now, now you may be saying, okay, that's great, that's great, great. But, 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 but Simeon, why? <laughs> why, why, why are we to be transformed? Why? Before I give you the why, let me give you the how. Let me give you the quick overarching how of transformation. The how of transformation is to be tra- is transformed by, by the light of the gospel of Christ. To be transformed by the light of the gospel. By the light of the gospel. Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18. He says that we are transformed when we watch this, when we unveil our hearts. When we unveil our hearts to the light of the gospel. When we unveil our hearts to Christ. When we, in other words, take the barriers away, take the distractions out of our lives. When we take those things out of our lives and we come to church and we hear the gospel, we are transformed. I don't want to skip to the end, but I got to say something here. Is that understand that the gospel, every time it's preached, should transform you to another level. You should never be tired of the gospel. We should never grow tired of the gospel. If we are tired of the gospel, we're tired of transformation. If we are tired of the gospel, our joy is going to go away. If we're tired of the gospel, we won't have that peace. I'm trying to tell you here that you're not just regenerated as a believer, but you are regenerated and you are saved to be transformed by the gospel every single day. Paul says to be renewed every single day. We are transformed into the gospel every single day. I need us to understand that because I truly believe, I never understood this, that I'm actually to be transformed by the gospel every single day day. Uh, It's like I've already heard the thing. Why do I got to hear it again? (laughs) Why do I got to hear the preaching again? Because we're to be transformed every single day by the light of the gospel. Now watch this. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, if you are transformed by the gospel in Ephesians chapter 5, by the light of the gospel, you are the light of Christ in Christ. You are the light. So what I'm looking at, the light that I'm looking at that is transforming my life, I am now becoming. I am becoming the light of the gospel. I'm becoming that which is transforming me. And when I become that, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. So now I'm the light in him. I'm the light through him. I'm the light to him. And I'm the light for him. And I'm just the light of the world now. How many understand that, 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 that the light, sometimes the darkness, the, the darkness can't comprehend the light. The darkness doesn't understand it from time to time. The darkness even, I, I dare say, the darkness even hates the light. John chapter 3, Brett preached about this a little bit ago. How many understand that when you're transformed or changed, people, they sometimes don't like you too much? <laughs> Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. They don't like me at my work anymore. That's because you changed. Well, they don't talk to me. That's because you're being transformed. When we're constantly trying to fit in, When we're trying to fit in, we're actually going against our very nature. And as a believer, when I'm trying to fit in, when I'm trying to fit in and I'm trying to mold back into the darkness, I'm hurting myself. We're to be transformed into the light constantly over and over again. And I love this part. Here's the why, because that's the how, the light of the gospel. Here's the why. We are to be transformed into the light of the gospel so that we might make disciples. So that we might make disciples. Jesus tells us to make disciples. He says, so when you're, when you're shining like a light, when you're doing good works and you're shining like a light, the, 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 the world will see it. And when they see it, they will be either, they will either attack you or they'll be attracted to you. Jesus' disciples, they followed him because they were attracted to him. 
They followed him because they, they loved what they saw. Though they did not understand it completely, they still, there was just some attraction. There was like, man, there's an energy. There's something here about this messianic figure. And they didn't realize that he was the Christ exactly until Peter got a revelation from God. But, but they saw something in him. They were attracted to him. They were attracted. When we become the light of the gospel, as we are going, it says in Matthew chapter 28, as we are going in our work, in our job, as we are going, even in our families, as we are going throughout the world, as we are going, he says, to shine as a light. And when you shine as a light, you attract people to you. They may attack you, but some, trust me, will be attracted to you. And those are the ones, those are the ones that will be the disciples. That's the why. That's the overarching. That's just the why. The why, why, Simeon, why are we transformed? Yes, you'll have more joy. Yes, you'll have the peace. Yes, the bills, they won't get you as much. But people will come to know Christ when you are transformed. People will come to know Christ. And, and now that we, 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 we get it, we get, the, we get, okay, the light is what transforms me. It's, the, it's what transforms me for other people to make disciples. Is it okay if I go a little deeper into this and show you a little more of the how? Is that okay? Let's go into the process then. Let's go into the process of transformation. He says in, in chapter, if you can go back to chapter, um, go to the next slide. There you go. There you go. See, they're right there in the orange. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay, so the, the light of the gospel is the how. It's the, it's, it's, the, it's the material that transforms us. What's the process? Tells us right in our passage. By the renewal of of your mind by the renewal be transformed by the renewal of your mind your mind your mind what is your mind what is your your mind your mind is simply your thought patterns your ingrained thought patterns you got to hang with me here now on this one it's your it's your ingrained thought patterns into your life so let me just say this everything you think everything you see everything in your life the, the netflix dare i say the, the 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 instagram the facebook all these different things they are transforming our mind either to God or to the world, to the world or to the world. Your mind is your ingrained thought patterns. So as you think, oh wait, I've heard this in the Bible. As a man thinks, as a man thinks, he becomes. As a man thinks, he becomes. By the renewal of your mind, every single thought that you think is taking you forward, or it's taking you backwards. In the word of God, we understand that as we think, our belief, really watch this, our belief is, is, is formed. As we think, the more we think on something, the more we believe we have belief in that thing. This is why Jesus tells us in, in Mark, he tells us that uh, when the disciples couldn't heal the man and all of a sudden he was able to heal the man, they, they said, well, why couldn't we do this? He says, well, okay, because you've got to deepen your capacities to believe. Sure, you believe, but you've got to go deeper by fasting and by prayer, by intentionally, we'll get into this here in a second, by intentionally setting your mind on it. He says, your thinking actually builds your belief. In John chapter 6, Brett was preaching about this some weeks ago. In John chapter 6, Jesus tells the, 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 the crowd that, was, that he just fed, he, fell, he fed 5,000 men, not including women and children, so all kinds of people. He fed 5,000 men and women and children, and they came back the next day. They're like, give me more of that bread. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't chase the bread. 
Don't chase the bread. He says, don't work for the bread. Don't work for the money. Don't work for those things. He says, work to believe. That always blew my mind. Work to believe? Work to believe? I thought I believed already. Jesus, wait a second. Jesus, I thought I already believed. No, but I want you to work. I want, I want you to work to believe. I want you to build that belief. But what? You're thinking. Your thoughts, they matter. Your thoughts, they matter because as you think, you become. Oh, I hope we hear this. I hope we hear this. As you, th as you think, you become. You believe more. Oh, oh, oh I, I believe on the gospel, then think on the gospel. As I think, I become. I, I don't know why, I just feel hitting that. As I think, I become. Because your belief system, actually, when manifested, is who you are. Does that make sense? Your belief system, when it's manifested, when it comes out, it is who you are. So as a man thinks, so he becomes. Now, now this is why Paul tells us to take every thought captive. Say every thought. Every thought captive. He says every thought captive. Not a few thoughts. Not a couple thoughts. Not most of your thoughts. But every thought captive. Take them all captive. Because Paul knows that as someone thinks, they become so. So if we can take our thoughts captive... He says, to the obedience of Christ and the gospel will be transformed by it. How do, you, how do you take every single thought captive if we're talking about the process of transformation? How do you take every thought captive? That, that, that blew my mind for a moment when I thought about that. How do I take every thought captive? You know, it's funny, I studied this a little bit. I studied a little science in college, but I'm no scientist. But I looked this up, and, 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 and I'm told that we as humans think 60 to 70,000 thoughts in a day. Six, okay, 60, 70, 600 is a full-time job to be trying to take that captive in a day. <laughs> How do you take every single one of those captive? I, I like history as well, and, and I, love, I love wars. I, I love World War II. I love studying those, those wars. And, and there's a, a battle. There was a, there was a um, I don't know if you've heard of the, 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 the Bataan Death March. Has anyone heard of the Bataan Death March? Very sad um, situation that the United States found themselves in. 60, I'm told that there was 60 to 80,000 troops that were captured in one day. Now they had fought for 99 days and they had done really, really, really well. But they were ill-prepared and in one day they were taken captive. And they were sent off and they had a march. And march and march for 66 miles. One day, all of those troops shoop, captured, begin to march. Understand, guys, that Paul teaches us right there in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He teaches us that we are in a war. And as believers, if we don't realize or acknowledge that we are in a war, we'll lose that war. So we're in a war... And when Paul tells us to take 60 to 70,000 thoughts captive, we're to take them all at one time. Every single day, to take them all at one time. How do I do that? Oh, I hope this helps somebody. How do I do that? Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verses 5, he tells us to set our minds. To set our minds 
on the things of the Spirit, to set our minds, like, like, like a waitress sets a table. In other words, intentionality. Set it. Set your mind. It's funny, I, I, and I'll just be honest, this is my time to confess here. Um, I often set my mind on Netflix. <laughs> I often set my mind on the traffic. <laughs> I often set my mind on my boss ticking me off. I, can I be real in church, by the way? I, okay. <laughs> can, can, I, I often set my mind on the things of the world. Okay, we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to get this. Why Paul says, I press said, I haven't obtained it. The chapter right before, verse chapter 8, Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, I'm falling all the time. I can't get myself together. But he says, there's a, there's a war in my mind, he says. There is a war in Galatians chapter 6. He tells us the flesh is warring against the spirit. It's warring, and, and in between is me, and I don't know which way to go. And every single day, like, am I going to go with the flesh, or am I going to go with the spirit? Am I going to go with the things of God, or am I going to go with the things of the world? What am I going to choose? What am I going to choose? I, I struggle with this daily, but Paul helps us to understand. I don't know if you struggle like I struggle, but Paul helps us to understand, and he gives us some freedom here. And he says, if you would set your mind in Romans chapter 8, if you would just set your mind on the things of the spirit, he says there is life and there is peace. I'm here to tell you that Jesus came to give life and Jesus came to give peace. Jesus came to give joy. Jesus came to give you freedom. Jesus came to give you these things. And let me tell you, if we do not set our minds on the things that he gave, we're going to be victim to the world. I, I need us to understand this because oftentimes we give power to the world. We give power to what they have. We give power to the government. We give power to every single thing that they're doing but if we set our minds on that which is true power then we will I'm telling you right now we will experience that freedom we will experience the freedom in our lives we will experience it in our schools we will experience it in our families we will experience it no matter what we will experience that freedom and that peace because we are more than a conqueror we are more if we have Christ on our side we are more no matter what we are more if we set our minds on the things of God if we set our mind, if we are in a war, how do we win? If no weapon fashioned against me shall be able to prosper, how do I wield my weapon? How do I do it, God? How do I do it? He says, if you would set your mind on me, it's that simple. If you would set your mind on me, you'll prosper. You'll win. Like I said, we're not perfect. We ain't going to get that every time. But I hope that helps someone to understand that if you set your mind on him, every single thought, captive, every thought, just being intentional enough, and I can capture them all in one shot by just setting it on him. Now, now let, me, let, me, let me end here. The, 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 the process of transformation, is, the prime mover of it, yes, is your thoughts. But it's not just your thoughts. There's a little more to it. Thoughts, yes, they build belief. Thoughts build your faith. But belief without works is, it's dead. Okay? This is not a works-based faith that we believe in. But out of our belief, I believe so I speak. I just heard this morning. Come on. 
I believe it, so I speak it. Something's got to come forth from my belief. This is why he says, as a man thinks, because when he thinks, he builds his belief. And when he builds his belief, he actually acts. And Jesus teaches us that if it's in the heart, then it will come out. If it's down there, it's going to come out. That's why my mom used to always say, like, if, if you even say the word, then it's in your vocabulary. You need to get that thing out of your vocab. It's got to be out of you. It's got to go. And so we have to begin to act. That's why Paul says God is not mocked in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. He says God is not mocked. As a man sows, he will also reap. If I sow a mustard seed, I'm getting a mustard tree. What I sow, I will reap. Paul says, he says that, that, that I am the greatest of apostles. I'm not worthy of it, but I'm the greatest of apostles. Why does he say this? He says I'm the greatest apostle because I work. Man, I wish I had his anointing. I wish I had his gifts. I wish I had his work. <laughs> it's the same. Just, just work. If you work, you will get. You will get, right? But Paul says, and let me, let me fly into this next point here. Paul says it's by the grace of God, though. You got to work, but it's by the grace of God. You got to work, but it's by the grace of God. As a man sows, he will reap. But where does that seed come from? Where does the seed come from? The seed, it comes from God. Notice that in our passage here, Paul doesn't even mention transformation. He doesn't mention our purpose until he mentions the mercies of God. Until he mentions the mercies of God. Paul, after, before coming into Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, he says, therefore. As I've always heard it, when you say therefore, you always ask, why is it? Therefore, why, why is it therefore? Paul just gets done with whipping out a, a, just a phenomenal systematic theology on, on condemnation. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He tells us that we have been justified by faith. It is not by works, but it is by faith. We have been justified. Now we stand in grace. Let's hold there. He says it's by the mercies of God that we are alive. It's by the mercies of God that we can be transformed. It's by the mercies of God that you can that you are here right now. Understand that the mercy of God is simply me not getting what I deserved. That we deserve hell. We deserve damnation. But Paul says, look, it's by the mercies of God that you're living. But how many understand that God doesn't just stop with his mercy? God doesn't just stop with you ain't going to hell. God doesn't just stop there. God says, I'll give you my mercy, but I'll also give you my, I'll give you my grace. He says, you now stand in grace because coming from the mercies of God comes the grace of God, the gifts of God. Everything that you have right now is by the grace of God. Every single thing, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change everything comes from God it comes from the grace of God so when you come in church you ought to praise God because everything that has happened in your week whether it be good or bad is a gift from God and this is why we praise God because everything comes from God man why are they acting wild because Paul says I'm compelled I'm compelled I can't control myself I just think of what God did for me I think of that he kept me I think of that I didn't fail when they got rid of me God still had me it's by his grace that I have anything and let me tell you 
It is by his grace that we have this transformation. The fact that we can stand here and talk about progressing as believers is by his grace. The fact that I can even have a Bible in this country is by his grace. The fact that I can live with my parents and my family, it's by his grace. The fact that you guys welcome me in, it's by his grace. Every single thing is by the grace of God. I'm not, it doesn't matter if you're a believer. It doesn't matter if you're not a believer. Every single thing that is good is by the grace of God. So our transformation, the means, comes from the grace of God. It's very important. I wouldn't feel complete. I wouldn't feel anything. I wouldn't be able to preach this without mentioning it's by the grace of God. Yes, his mercy sets us up, but then he comes in and he gives us his grace. He pumps it in. That's why we got to abide in him. And the very last thing I want to talk about, and we'll close here, is I want to talk a little bit about the picture of transformation. The picture of transformation. Look at this. Paul, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by testing. This whole process is just a test. Isaiah, run that marathon. It's a test. It's just a test in life. By testing, you may discern, you may know, you may understand, you may be able to comprehend. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Am I called to work a nine to five or be an entrepreneur? Am I called to be a teacher? Am I called to be a preacher? Am I called to do this? Am I called to do that? Let me tell you, if you walk in your transformation, if you walk in that purpose, you'll find the specific purpose in life. You'll find it. You'll find it. He has a plan. He does have a specific plan. He doesn't have a general plan. But you'll find it all. God's not trying to hold back. He's not. I, I don't believe that he's holding back. But oftentimes, like I said, Brad is preaching through the Proverbs, and there are principles that God puts forth in his Bible. And when we follow it, it's amazing how what a man sows, he reaps. You get it back. So when we are transformed... When we are transformed, we perpetually and daily give ourselves to God as a sacrifice. No, no, no. As a living sacrifice. Holy, set apart, not trying to fit in. Acceptable to God. In other words, I become a worshiper. I become a worshiper. I praise my God. I praise him. Because when I'm in a war, daily, when I'm in a war, when it's flesh versus spirit, man, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you guys, even this week I was in a war. Working my job, oh my gosh, I was in a war. Like I said, it's my son, I'm confessing, whatever. <laughs> in a war, flesh, I don't, oh, just, oh, I want to tear my hair out. And I got some now, so I can say that. I want to tear my hair out. I'm just so frustrated. The flesh just, oh, man, it can be powerful. It can pull you. It can drive you. It really can. But when I learn, and oh, thank God, at only the age of 26, the Lord has showed me that I, when I go and when I set my mind on the spirit, oh, I've got to praise him. I've got to praise him. Because down deep, 
there is something in us all that says, this life, it ain't it. This ain't it. No matter what happens, no matter what I go through, because no matter what we go through here, it ain't wor- it's not compared to what they go through across the country. It's not compared to what some people go through. So no matter what I go through, Simeon Bell, what he goes through, this ain't it. And Paul says by the testing, Romans chapter 5, he says, as you are tested, you rejoice in that. Why do you rejoice? Because he says, you stand in grace. You stand in my provision. You stand there. And when you stand there, you ought to rejoice. You ought to praise him. You become a worshiper of God. Those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Why in spirit and truth? Because I got to know the word. I must know the word of God. And in spirit, because I'm setting my mind. I've been regenerated. I've been changed in my spirit. And when I set my mind there, then I can worship him. I can't worship him with my hands and with my feet. Those are symbols, and they matter. But it must first start internally. It must go in first. I must look into what he has given me. I must look into the word. Then I can be transformed. I become a worshiper. And when we talked in the very beginning, the why, you become the light of the world. You become the light so that as you are going, you can make disciples. The light is a worshiper of God. A worshiper of God. Jesus, I... I thank you for who you are. Oh, my, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are grace. And I thank you for constantly reminding us in your word, week to week, day to day, that you are the righteous requirement of the law. That no matter what I've done, No matter what I'm doing, and no matter what I will do, you've covered me. You have covered me. You have said, Simeon, you are deemed perfect like my son. Because he died, now you will live. Well, Jesus, that's good news. That is good news. And we need to hear it over and over and over and over again. So I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. I openly proclaim that you are Savior. I openly proclaim that you are good and that you are righteous. I pray that this word now, Lord, would would, would sink deep into the hearts of all believers in this place. That we would move forward applying the concepts and principles of transformation. So that we might shine as a light. Holy and acceptable before God. It is in your son's name. Amen. Now, if you would all please stand. I'm going to read the benediction for this morning. It's from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.
go in the blessings of the Lord. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.